Welcome to the Hustle Sanely podcast, a show where we are breaking up with unhealthy hustle culture and redefining what it means to be productive. I'm your host and new productivity BFF, Jess Massey. Around here, we believe that productivity is so much more than just checking a million things off of a never-ending to-do list. I am obsessed with teaching you how to prioritize your mental health and the important relationships in your life while you pursue your goals. I'm here to help you ditch that feeling of constant overwhelm and cultivate an intentional life by getting your mindset right, getting clear on your vision, and creating a schedule that aligns with your actual priorities. If you wanna learn how to live a peacefully productive life, then you're gonna wanna stick around. Let's get into today's episode. Hey, hi, what is up, Hustle Sainly Squad? Welcome back to the podcast. In case you don't know, today is actually the fifth Tuesday of the month, and any time that a month has a fifth Tuesday, because usually there are only four, I like the fifth Tuesday's podcast episode to be just a little bit more chill, like a casual BFF style episode. So I asked you guys over on Instagram stories if you wanted me to do a Q&A or if you wanted me to share the 10 best books that I've read so far this year, and it was close. The last time that I checked, I think the book one was winning... 51%. So it was very, very close. But clearly the book one won, right? And honestly, I am not even mad about it because I feel like in another life, I would be a booktuber, aka someone who makes videos about what they read for YouTube. That's basically all that I watch when I do watch YouTube because I love hearing people talk about books. And who knows, maybe when I have more margin in my life, I'll add booktuber to my resume. But for now, this episode can just fill that desire. Instead of me being a booktuber, I'll just have to settle for being a book caster. Okay, I'm going to move on before I get any cheesier, but I have been an avid reader since I was in elementary school. I can like remember very like vividly moments in elementary school where I would be in the classroom reading or like at night I would be in my bedroom with my little book light reading. Like I always had a book with me when I was little. And then in my mid twenties, I stopped reading fiction because hustle culture had convinced me that it was a waste of time. But I started getting back into reading fiction again in my thirties, probably right after COVID time. And it's one of my favorite, favorite ways to rest and just have a little self-care moment. So far this year, I've read around 35 books when I'm recording this, and I'm going to share the top 10 with you in this episode. Honestly, the number 35 is pretty low for me. Before having Everly, I was reading around 8 to 10 books a month, depending on how long they were. But you know, I am just proud of myself for still reading as a mom, for prioritizing it since it is a form of rest and self-care for me. But of the 35-ish books that I've read, eight are nonfiction and the rest are fiction. So I track everything that I read on the app Goodreads. And wait, now that I just said that, that I've read eight nonfiction right before I sat down to do this episode like two days ago, 
I finished another nonfiction. So technically it's nine, okay? So I take it back. It's nine nonfiction and the rest are fiction. I, like I was saying, I track everything that I read on the app called Goodreads, which if you've never heard of it, it's kind of like social media for books. I don't really use it as social media. I don't like write my reviews on there, but I do use it to track every book that I read and I use the star rating. So I give each book a one to five stars on there. It is a free app and I do like to see what other people people are reading like I do use it for that so if you want to check out my Goodreads account I'll have it linked in the show notes so us bookworms can unite on there you know what I mean And speaking of bookworms, did you know that on my website, there is a page and it's free. Like like it's a free page. Anybody can go check it out um, called Hustle Stanley Library. It is where I keep track of all of my nonfiction books that I love by category. So the categories are business development, personal development, and spiritual development. If you go to jesscamassi.com slash Hustle Stanley Library, that is where you can find it. I'll have that in the show notes. Or if you're ever just on my website, jesscamassi.com, and you click on free resources up at the very, very top. And then you scroll. I'm doing it in real time so I can tell you. If you scroll down to the bottom, it says the Hustle Stanley Library looking for book recommendations. And then you click visit the library and it takes you to that page. Um, And my wonderful OBM, Kate, just updated it not too long ago. So it is current. It is up to date with my favorite nonfiction reads. So that is always available for you guys too if you are into nonfiction books. Um, but okay, let's get into uh, today's episode. The 10 best books that I've read so far this year. And like I said earlier, I'm mixing fiction and nonfiction for this. So for each book, I'm going to share the title, obviously the author, the genre, how many pages it is, a summary, and it's not going to be my summary. I'm going to read you the summary on the back of the book because here's the thing and probably why I don't create like book content that much for like YouTube or whatever. I am always so scared that I'm going to give away a spoiler. Like I sometimes don't know. Like I'm like, is this considered a spoiler or not? And I get so stressed out about it because I hate when books are spoiled for me on the internet. So I don't want to do that to anybody. So I was like, you know what? Let's play it safe. Let's just read the summary that is on the back of the book so that I do not do that. So I'm going to share the summary from the back of the book. I am going to tell you how many stars out of five I rated it. And if, if we have time, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'll like talk a little bit, little bit about English is Hard, what I liked about each book. Okay. Because um, obviously I liked all these because they're my top 10. So I... These are not ranked in order because that was just too hard. Maybe I'll do another episode at the end of the year where I share my top 10 books from the whole year and I actually rank them in order. We'll see. But I did put them in order by the dates that I read them. Um, So the first book that I'm going to share is the first one of the 10 that I read this year. So the longest ago and so on. So here we go. Book number one is called Part of Your World and the author is Abby Jimenez. You are going to hear me say her name quite a lot during this episode. The genre is romance and it's 400 pages. I got all the page counts from Goodreads. So I'm sure there are like different versions that have like, you know, a little bit of a different page count, like a couple like pages higher or lower, but that's just from Goodreads. So about 400 pages. It's kind of a chunky one. Um, And here's the summary of part of your world. It says, after a wild bet, gourmet grilled cheese sandwich and a cuddle with a baby goat, Alexis Montgomery has had her world turned upside down. The cause, Daniel Grant, a ridiculously hot carpenter who's 10 years younger than her and as casual as they come, the complete opposite of sophisticated city girl, Alexis. And 
yet their chemistry is undeniable. While her ultra-wealthy parents want her to carry on the family legacy of world-renowned surgeons, Alexis doesn't need glory or fame. She's fine with being a, and this is in air quotes, mere ER doctor. And every minute she spends with Daniel and the tight-knit town where he lives, she's discovering just what's really important. Yet letting their relationship become anything more than a short-term fling would mean turning her back on her family and giving up the opportunity to help thousands of people. Bringing Daniel into her world is impossible, and yet she can't just give up the joy she's found with him either. With so many differences between them, how can Alexis possibly choose between her world and his? So I actually gave this five stars. And let me just tell you, Abby Jimenez, her writing, this was the first book I ever read by her. And now I have read every single book that she has written. She is one of my new top authors. And her writing is just, I cannot even describe it. It it feels like I'm reading a movie. Like some books I have a hard time, like kind of picturing in my mind, which I know you're like, wait, what? Like, don't you picture all books in your mind? But I don't know. Some books I just have a really easy time, like following the story. I read her books so fast because I don't know. She just describes things so well. The banter between the characters is so much fun. Um, And I really like her books, especially this one, because it just like the characters seem like real people to me. Like, I don't know how else to describe it, but I absolutely love this one. And the town in this book, I can't remember the name of the town. I don't have the book with me, but it reminded me of like, I don't know, it was just like a small town vibe. And I really have been into like small town romances. You'll see as we go on through this list. Um, Just like the community in the book, like they're just all so tight knit. And I don't know, it just makes the story more interesting when you actually care about the side characters. Um, But anyway, I was just obsessed with this book. And I really loved seeing Alexis, who was kind of like an overachiever, kind of like workaholic. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Me pointing at myself. But I really watched, I really enjoyed reading about her kind of coming out of that and kind of discovering more things that she's passionate about and that she enjoys and kind of moving out of that workaholicness life. Um, that's not even a word, but you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Um, I won't say anything else because like I said, I don't want to spoil it, but I I feel like Alexis and Daniel, their chemistry was just so incredible. And I loved this book. So that's number one. Book number two is titled, and I did not expect to add this on there, but it made the list. So the title of the book is Every Last Word, and the author is I don't know how to say this, y'all. Tamara Ireland Stone. I hope that's how you say it. The genre is YA contemporary, and it has around 358 pages. Now, the summary of this book is this. And again, this is not my summary. This is from Goodreads. It says, Samantha McAllister looks just like the rest of the popular girls in her junior class, but hidden beneath the straightened hair and expertly applied makeup is a secret that her friends would never understand. Sam has purely obsessional OCD and is consumed by a stream of of dark thoughts and worries that she can't turn off. Second guessing every move, thought, and word makes daily life a struggle, and it doesn't help that her lifelong friends will turn toxic at the first sign of a wrong outfit, wrong lunch, or wrong crush. Yet Sam knows that she'd be truly crazy to leave the protection of the most popular girls in school. So when Sam meets Caroline, she has to keep her new friend with a refreshing sense of humor and no style a secret right up there with Sam's weekly visit to her 
psychiatrist. Caroline introduces Sam to Poets Corner, a hidden room and a tight-knit group of misfits who have been ignored by the school at large. Sam is drawn to them immediately, especially a guitar-playing guy with a talent for verse, and starts to discover a whole new side of herself. Slowly, she begins to feel more, and this is in quotes, normal than she has ever as a part of the popular crowd until she finds a new reason to question her sanity and all she holds dear. So, okay. I gave this four stars when I read it, but the reason that I added this one kind of the last minute, this is a book that I cannot stop thinking about. Like I, this is one of the books that I probably think about the most that I've ever read, at least recently. And I, just a lot of books that I read when Everly was really little. I don't remember them, to be quite honest. I read this when she was just a few months old, I think like two months old, but I so vividly remember it. So I think I might change it to a five-star rating just because it seriously has like impacted me more than I realized. Um, Number one, I really liked reading about a character with OCD. I have never read about a character with OCD, so that was very interesting to me. But I don't know. There is a twist in this book that I just did not see coming. And I think that's why I gave it a four star because the twist at the end, I was like, WTF just happened. (laughs) Like I, it just caught me off guard and it took me a minute to process it. Um, But I just, the poet's corner, the like secret hidden room that was described, I could just so vividly imagine it. I think this is a pattern. Like I like books that like do a good job at like describing the setting and the characters so that I can. And like vividly picture it. Um, and I don't know, just watching Sam kind of come into herself was just really rad. Um, it, it definitely read as a YA book, but not in like a, an overly cheesy way, if that makes sense. Like it, it was YA, but like it didn't feel like, I don't know, I wasn't unable to connect with it. Like I was still able to connect with the characters and take a lot away from it. So yeah, this book, I just cannot stop thinking about it. And it's one of the most unique books that I've ever read, truly. So that is the second book. Third book that I want to share, it's another one by Abby Jimenez because I wanted to read another one of her books almost immediately after the first one that I read from her. So this one is called Life's Too Short. Again, it's by Abby Jimenez. It is romance. And this one is around 384 pages. So the summary of this one is this, a brilliant and touching romantic comedy about two polar opposites, one adorable dog and living each day to its fullest. When Vanessa Price quit her job, to pursue her dream of traveling the globe, she wasn't expecting to gain millions of YouTube followers who shared her joy of seizing every moment. For her, living each day to its fullest isn't just a motto. Her mother and sister never saw the age of 30, and Vanessa doesn't want to take anything for granted. But after her half-sister suddenly leaves Vanessa in custody of her infant daughter, life goes from daily adventure to next-level bad, now with bonus baby vomit in hair. The last person of Vanessa expects to show up offering help is the hot lawyer next door, Adrian Copeland. After all, she barely knows him. No one warned her that he was the secret baby tamer or that she'd be spending a whole lot of time with him and his geriatric chihuahua. (laughs) Now she's feeling things she's vowed not to feel because the only thing worse than falling for Adrian is finding a little hope for a future she may never see. So I give this one five stars. I'm pretty sure I've given like almost all of Abby Jimenez's book five stars. 
But the reason that I really like this one is because it's far-fetched, yes, like you can, like it's obviously fiction, but at the same time, like I could still picture this happening um, and it actually made me laugh out loud. I don't laugh out loud with a lot of books, um, but I really liked the dynamic of the polar opposites that Vanessa and Adrian were. Um, like Vanessa was very like carefree, um, like very adventurous, which because of her past, she is like that and like what she's experienced with her family and I don't want to get give anything away so I won't um but she has a reason for being that way and Adrian he's a lawyer which I'm sure you can guess the stereotype like very like in line he's a workaholic um and so when they kind of meet and come together it like shifts the dynamic of each of them and it's just really cool to watch the polar opposites kind of come together um so normally I'm not like super huge on babies or kids being a part of books, but I read this one when Everly was really small. And so having the um, the funny parts of them struggling with a little baby, like I, it was really relatable to me, especially in the season I was in. Um, and so I actually really enjoyed it and I feel like it was done really well. So again, that one is called Life's Too Short by Abby Jimenez. And then book four, this one is actually a nonfiction one and it is called Real Self-Care a transformative program for redefining wellness. I'm probably going to mispronounce the author's name, but I'm going to try my best. Pooja Lakshman. And like I said, the genre is nonfiction. It's around 231 pages. And the summary for this one is you may have noticed that it's nearly impossible to go even a couple days without coming across the term self-care, a word that encompasses any number of lifestyle choices and products from juice cleanses to yoga workshops to luxury bamboo sheets. Self-care has exploded our collective consciousness as a fix for practically all of women's problems. Dr. Pooja Lakshman finds this cultural embrace of self-care incomplete at best and manipulative at worst. Self-care dogma says that to fix your troubles is as simple as buying a new day planner or signing up for a meditation class, but the game is rigged. The self-care fixes that our culture prescribes keep us looking outward, comparing ourselves with others or striving for certain types of perfection. Real self-care, in contrast, is not as simple as a fancy spa retreat or a journaling app. It's an internal process that involves hard work and making difficult decisions. Real self-care shows readers the difference between the two, lifting the veil on faux self-care and reconceptualizing our understanding of what a real practice of caring for yourself could and should look like. Using case studies, clinical research, and compassion, the author provides actionable strategies for real and sustainable change, helping readers set boundaries and move past guilt, treat themselves with compassion, get closer to themselves, and assert their power. So I gave this one four stars. Um, I always have a really hard time rating nonfiction books. I don't know if you guys, I don't know, struggle with that too, but it always just feels weird rating nonfiction books. But I absolutely loved the author's take on self-care. You guys know that I do my best to teach and show you guys what real self-care looks like in my life. That's why key one to hustling sanely is get your mindset right because I think everything starts with our mindset. Everything starts with what's going on inside of us. Um, so obviously I really resonated with her definition of self-care. Um, I did feel like this book was a little bit repetitive, uh, which is pretty common for nonfiction books. And I think a lot of the time that's done intentionally. So I'm not really docking it for that, but I am saying that it just like 
just so you know going in. It felt a little repetitive. Uh, but when I was reading it, I really did appreciate the case studies um, and the fact that she was able to weave in like actual research, like science-backed research without it feeling like stale or stagnant. Um, like it was a fun book to read, even though it was nonfiction. And I feel like that's really hard to do. So Absolutely love that one. That brings us to book number five, and I'm kind of cheating, and I'm putting two books together, but they're a series. So is it really cheating? I'm going to say no. So the title of both of the books, the first book in the series is Once Upon a Broken Heart, and the second one is The Ballad of Never After. The author is Stephanie Garber. The genre is YA fantasy, and the page counts. So the first book has around 416 pages, and the second book has around 403 pages. Um, So I'm trying to think... I think I'm only going to talk to you guys. I'm going to read you the summary for the first one, and I won't talk about the second one too much because I feel like obviously you have to read the first one (laughs) for the second one to make sense, and I don't want to give anything away. So the summary for the first one is this. For as long as she can remember, Evangeline, which first of all, I love that name, Evangeline Fox has believed in true love and happy endings until she learns that the love of her life will marry another. Desperate to stop the wedding and to heal her wounded heart, Evangeline strikes a deal with the charismatic but wicked Prince of Hearts. In exchange for his help, he asks for three kisses to be given at the time and place of his choosing. But after Evangeline's first promised kiss, she learns that bargaining with an immortal is a dangerous game and that the Prince of Hearts wants far more from her than she'd pledged. He has plans for Evangeline, plans that will either end in the greatest happily ever after or the most exquisite tragedy, dot, dot, dot. I love when there's a dot, dot, dot in a summary. Like, I'm just like, okay. I sing like the dun, dun, dun song. Okay. Anyways, moving on. So, okay. This book actually got me out of a book slump. I gave both of them. Wait, what did I rate these actually? Um, oh, 4.5. I gave both of these a 4.5. They were very close to a five, but some parts of them were just a little bit slow for me, like a little, a little bit. Um, not, it's not enough to not read it. Believe me, like, hello, I gave them a 4.5, but these books got me out of a book slump. I was in a book slump at the beginning of the year. I just kind of was hating everything that I was reading for like a two month period. I could not find anything I was interested in, but I read Once Upon a Broken Heart and it was so good. Like the story captivated me immediately. It's very fairy tale-esque. So if you like fairy tale-ish type thing, you'll probably enjoy this. Um, And also, I just loved reading about Evangeline and Jax. Jax is the name of the Prince of Hearts. Um, The story, I I really liked how it kind of just like jumped right into the story. I feel like there wasn't like a lot of uh, like there, there's not a lot of world building in this. So especially if you're like new to fantasy, like these are like very mild, mild, mild fantasy. Um, so we just kind of jump in with the story right away, which I really loved, especially to help get me out of a book slump. Um, to me when I was reading, it kind of gave like, almost Alice in Wonderland vibes. I've heard some people say that and I definitely got that same vibe as well. Um, So like that kind of fairy tale is what I mean. But the story is just so fun. And to me, most of it was really fast paced and like held my attention. And the books aren't super long either. Um, Oh, I guess kind of they are 416 pages and 403. It didn't feel like that. Like they went by really, really quickly. Plus 
this is kind of irrelevant, but the books themselves are absolutely stunning. Like they're beautiful. So they look really cute on a bookshelf. Um, but the third one in this series comes out in October or November. I can't remember. And I already have it pre-ordered and I cannot wait to read it because the second one ends on a cliffhanger, like for real, for real. Um, so anyway, I'm not going to talk about the second one because I don't want to ruin it, but if you're looking for something that's pretty fast paced, easy to follow and like fairy tale vibes, and maybe if you're in a book slump, you need something to help get you out, read this one. It is so good. It's just a fun series to get into. Okay, pause. Y'all, it is planner season, okay? Y'all already know because I keep telling you that I am so excited about the 2024 paper collection. I am so, so, so proud of what the team created this year. And when I showed y'all a sneak peek on Instagram, y'all lost your marbles in a good way. Like you guys were just as excited as me, which makes my heart so happy, so, so happy because you guys know that every year I put up a poll on Instagram and I ask you for feedback on our planning tools and I take your feedback to heart and it really matters to me that I create products for you, um, products that you love, products that you're excited about, products that your feedback you know has been taken into consideration. And so that's why we made some changes to our planning tools for the 2024 year. And I'm just so excited to get them in your hands. So if you want to make sure that you get a 2024 planner, your booty better be on the wait list because uh, we ordered 2,500 planners. You guys know I'm very open. I tell you how it is. I tell you like the behind the scenes of the business side of stuff as much as I can. We ordered 2,500 planners and the day that I'm recording this, there are 2,100 people on the wait list already. And it's July when I'm recording this. So uh, if you want to make sure that you for sure get a 2024 Peacefully Productive Planner, please, 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 please go put your name on the wait list. You can go to jessicamassey.com slash 2024. I'll have it in the show notes. And you will get an email when you can shop. If you're on the wait list, you will be able to shop before the general public. Okay. So you're going to be able to shop a couple days before like everybody can go on the website. So being on the wait list is super, super important. Again, go get on the wait list at jessicamassey.com slash 2024 so that you get an email when it's time for you to get your 2024 peacefully productive planner. All right, let's get back to this episode and keep talking about books. Book six that I want to share with you, the title is Why Am I Like This? How to Break Cycles, Heal from Trauma, and Restore Your Faith. And the author is, I hope I say her name right, Kobe Campbell. It is a nonfiction book. I follow this author on Instagram and she is absolutely incredible. It is 189 pages. I'm going to read you the summary. The summary is, why does our past pain continue to affect our present? Though many of us can point to patterns of brokenness in our lives, we don't know why they're here. No matter how hard we work, we can't seem to outrun the very things that break our hearts. That's because our everyday setbacks are rooted in our unaddressed wounds. In Why Am I Like This? seminary-trained, licensed trauma therapist Kobe Campbell helps us understand why it's so hard to break these patterns as she offers us deeper understanding of how our past shapes our present. With tender wisdom, rare vulnerability, and profound honesty, Kobe reminds each reader that they're not alone, empowering them to step into healing with evidence-based, faith-filled coping skills and resources. 
In Why Am I Like This, Kobe marries the theological insight with therapeutic principles to give readers the tools and insights needed to begin their journey of restoration. Y'all, I give this one a five-star, hands down, okay? This book, I actually read it because my therapist recommended it to me. Um, And I remember I pre-ordered it. And so I got to read the first chapter early. That was like a promo she was doing. If you pre-ordered the book, you got to read the first chapter ahead of time. And I knew from reading the first chapter that I was going to love this book. And I did. It was so incredibly helpful. Um, It helped me. I think a lot of people have a weird relationship with the word trauma because at least for me, I, when I was in, I still am in therapy, but when I first started going to therapy, I was kind of like in denial that I had had any trauma because to me, trauma had to be like this one time really big life shattering event. And my therapist wanted me to read this book to help me learn about trauma from a different perspective. And one of the um, analogies that Kobe uses in this book, I really hope I'm saying her name right. If I'm not, I apologize. But one of the examples or analogies that she uses has stuck with me. And my therapist actually talked about it, talked about it as well. And it's about how Trauma, as I thought that it was, like one big life-shattering event, which is obviously trauma, but that kind of trauma is like carrying around a huge boulder, whereas if it's a smaller, like more discreet type of trauma, like something small that's happening like often over time, so maybe someone, you know, they say nasty things to you or they treat you poorly, like, you know what I mean, or just like little things like you know what I mean? Things that you think like, oh, this isn't that big of a deal. But like really when it's happening over and over and over and over and over, it is a big deal and it is affecting you. That's like carrying around little pebbles on your back. Um, and it gets really hard to carry around all those little pebbles. And so just kind of viewing trauma in those ways was really helpful for me. Um, and it just kind of helped me to take ownership of some things that I'd been carrying around that I didn't realize were still affecting me. And it helped me, some of the tools and resources in the book just helped me kind of unpack some stuff that I didn't realize was kind of weighing me down. So I cannot, I think everyone would benefit from reading this. I will say, and it says it in the description, that it she is a follower of Christ and she does weave her faith into her work, um, but it's also evidence-based. So it is science-based as well. Um, so I honestly think anyone can benefit from this one. I freaking loved this book so much and I'm so glad that my therapist recommended it to me. So that's book six. Book seven, another one by Abby Jimenez. And this one is called Yours Truly. This is her newest book. It actually came out not that long ago. It came out this year and it has 380 seven pages and it is romance as are the rest of her books and the summary for this one is this Dr. Brianna Ortiz's life is seriously flatlining her divorce is just about finalized her brother's running out of time to find a kidney donor and that promotion she wants oh that's probably going to the new man doctor who's already registering 80 freaking seven on Brianna's pain in my ass scale excuse my language I know I normally don't cuss on the show but I'm just reading to y'all but just when all systems are set to hate. Dr. Jacob Maddox completely flips the game. 
by sending Brianna a letter. And it's a really good letter, like the kind that proves that Jacob isn't actually Satan. Worse, he might be this fantastically funny and subversively likable guy who's terrible at first impressions because suddenly he and Brie are exchanging letters, sharing lunch dates in her sob closet and discussing the merits of freakishly tiny horses. But when Jacob decides to give Brianna the best gift imaginable, a kidney for her brother, she wonders just how she can resist this quietly sexy new doctor, especially when he calls in a favor she can't refuse. So I give this one five stars. This is my favorite Abby Jimenez book out of all of them. And I have been raving about (laughs) all of them. Um, uh, This book. Okay. So I don't think this is a spoiler. Mm, mm, No, it's not. I don't think it is. So Jacob, the male character, the male main character in this, he struggles with anxiety. And that's why he wrote her a letter after a bad first impression, because he has trouble with being social because of his anxiety. I related to Jacob so much. Reading about a character with anxiety, I cannot tell you like the way that Abby Jimenez like described how he was feeling and things he was going through, like I just felt very seen um, and very represented as somebody who has anxiety, who's diagnosed with anxiety. Um, And just reading about it, like I automatically had a soft spot in my heart for Jacob, but everyone will because he is amazing. He's a legend. And I just, he is so pure. Like when I think of Jacob, I just think of the word pure. And I feel like Brie, she is a little bit more like rough around the edges, if you will. Like she definitely does not have have anxiety. And she is just like, I don't know, a very forward person. Um, And so seeing them kind of build this relationship and each kind of, uh, I guess she kind of like brings Jacob out of his shell a little bit and he kind of softens her edges. Like it is just the sweetest thing. And I love when books have letters written in them and like reading their letters back and forth. Like it just gave me all the feels. I absolutely love this one. I flew through it. Highly, highly recommend. It was such a fun read. I cried during it. I laughed during it. Such a good one. Such a good one. Okay. I could talk about Abby Jimenez for an entire podcast episode. So let me move on to book number eight. This one is called Raising Good Humans by Hunter Clark Fields. This one is nonfiction and it is 162 pages. Now, technically, this one is a parenting book, but... I think that people who aren't parents could honestly read this and benefit from it. I know a lot of my teacher friends who aren't parents have read it because it's just like a good freaking book. So the little like blurb thing that's like a part of the title, it's called Raising Good Humans, A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident Kids. Um, It's just I feel like the first half of this book is more focused on learning about yourself as a person so that you can communicate and show up better for people around you. And in this case, they're talking about like your kids. But like I said, I feel like almost anyone could read this and take something away from it. It's just 
Oh my gosh. It's the first parenting book that I've read and I'm glad that it was the first one that I read because it just, it's very focused on self-awareness, like your own self-awareness so that you can better show up as the version of yourself that you want to show up as. So the little blurb thing says, a kinder, more compassionate world starts with a kind and compa- starts with kind and compassionate kids. In Raising Good Humans, you'll find powerful and practical strategies to break free from reactive parenting habits and raise kind, cooperative, and confident kids. Whether you're running late for school, trying to get your child to eat their vegetables, or dealing with an epic meltdown in the checkout line at a grocery store, being a parent is hard work. And as parents, many of us react in times of stress without thinking, often by yelling. But what if instead of always reacting on autopilot, you could respond thoughtfully in those moments, keep your cool, and get from A to B on time and in one piece. With this book, you'll find powerful mindfulness skills for calming your own stress response when difficult emotions arise. That right there, that line, that's like such a good summary of the book. With I'm going to read it again. With this book, you'll find powerful mindfulness skills for calming your own stress response when difficult emotions arise. You'll also discover strategies for cultivating respectful communication, effective conflict resolution, and reflective listening. In the process, you'll learn to examine your own unhelpful patterns and ingrained reactions that reflect the generational habits shaped by your parents so you can break the cycle and respond to your children in more skillful ways. When children experience a parent reacting with kindness and patience, they learn to act with kindness as well, thereby altering generational patterns for a kinder, more compassionate future. With this essential guide, you'll see how changing your own autopilot reactions can create a lasting positive impact, not just for your kids, but for generations to come. Okay, that was a lot. That was really long. But I remember like the first two chapters, I underlined basically the entire chapters because it was just describing mindfulness in such a way that I've never heard it before. And I loved this book so much that I actually did a book club with my Nourish 30 group that I ran over the summer. Um, It was a mom's group that we were focusing on incorporating healthy habits in our own lives so that we could show up well for our families. Um, We actually read this book together and talked about it. And pretty much everyone was obsessed with this book because it's just so practical. And I feel like It was so freeing. Like it calls you out, but it doesn't just call you out. It calls you up. So it like calls you out lovingly. It's like sassy Jess. You know what I mean? Um, So highly, highly recommend this one. Like I said, I know it's technically a parenting book, but I honestly think anyone could benefit from it. Um, I did give it a four star instead of a five star because even though I really, really love the beginning, I feel like the end got kind of just a little bit repetitive. But again, it's nonfiction and I feel like that's the name of the game with nonfiction. Um, So that's book eight. Book nine. We are almost done. This is a long episode, y'all. Book nine, the title is When in Rome. The author is Sarah Adams and the genre is romance. It's around 320 pages. So, okay, the summary of this one. Amelia Rose, known as Ray Rose to her adoring fans, is burned out from years of maintaining her princess of pop image. Inspired by her favorite Audrey Hepburn film, Roman Holiday, she drives off in the middle of the night for a break in Rome. 
Rome, Kentucky, that is. When Noah Walker finds Amelia on his front lawn in her broken down car, he makes it clear he doesn't have the time or the patience for celebrity problems. He's too busy running the pie shop his grandmother left him and reminding his nosy but lovable neighbors to mind their own damn business. Despite his better judgment, he lets her stay in his guest room, but only until her car is fixed. Then she's on her own. Then Noah starts to see a different side of Ray Rose. She's Amelia kind-hearted and goofy, yet lonely from years in the public eye. He can't help but get close to her. Soon, she'll have to return to her glamorous life on tour, but until then, Noah will show Amelia all the charming small-town experiences she's been missing, and she'll help him open his heart to more. Amelia can't resist falling for the cozy town and her grumpy tour guide, but even Audrey had to leave Rome eventually. So I gave this one 4.5 stars. The reason I didn't give it five stars the male main character Noah I didn't love him I've heard other people talk about this one that they are obsessed with Noah he was a little too grumpy for me I was like okay bro like you've got a pretty good life can you not be as grumpy but other than that this book was almost perfect it was so short so cute such a good fluffy read it's a perfect like palate cleanser like if you're reading like a lot of dense books or like fan a fantasy series like you could put this one in between to like cleanse your palate you know what I mean it's like brain candy um but the reason that I love this one so much, yes, I love the main character, Amelia, um, but what I really loved, the townspeople. You guys, this one gave stars hollow vibes. If you are a Gilmore Girls fan, you know what I'm talking about. This book, like, oh my gosh, I cannot tell you, I've never read a book that felt more like Stars Hollow, like the townspeople. I like them. Like, they're my favorite part um, of the the story. Like, yes, I love the main character, like I said, but like the townspeople, they made the book for me. But it was just very interesting to me. I'd never read a book that was focused on like a celebrity kind of mingling with like townsfolk, if you will. Um, so it was just like an interesting dynamic and I really enjoyed it. So I would really recommend it. Again, it's just like a cute, easy, fluffy read, but it made me so happy when I was reading it. Like, I don't know. It was cheesy, but like the right kind of cheese. You know what I'm saying? So highly recommend if you're looking for something that gives you like Gilmore Girls vibes and that's like just a super fluffy easy fun read it might be really good for end of summer you know what I mean and then the last book that I'm going to talk about today book 10 the title this is not going to shock anyone fourth wing the author is Rebecca Yaros and the genre is fantasy romance this is a long one it's 528 pages and I am sure that you've heard of this okay everyone and their mom is reading this book I don't do tiktok but apparently it's all over book talk like it the book was sold out everywhere for such a long time because it just it was off the chain everybody was trying to get it i have never seen a book rise in popularity like this one did like as quickly as it did like I had never heard about it and then all of a sudden the next week it was like sold out in every single store and I was like what is happening Okay, let me read you the summary and then we will talk about it. I'm so excited to talk about this one. Okay, so the summary is 20-year-old Violet Sorengale was supposed to enter the scribe quadrant, living a quiet life among books and history. Now, the commanding general also known as her tough as talons mother, has ordered Violet to join the hundreds of candidates striving to become the elite of Nevere. I think that's how you say it. Dragon riders. But when you're smaller than everyone else and your body is 
brittle, death is only a heartbeat away because dragons don't bond to, and this is in quotes, fragile humans. They incinerate them. With fewer dragons willing to bond than cadets, most would kill Violet to better their own chances of success. The rest would kill her just for being her mother's daughter. Like Zayden Ryerson, the most powerful rider and ruthless wing leader in the rider's quadrant. She'll need every edge her wits can give her just to see the next sunrise. Yet with every day that passes, the war outside grows more deadly, the kingdom's protective wards are failing, and the death toll continues to rise. Even worse, Violet begins to suspect leadership is hiding a terrible secret. Friends, enemies, lovers, everyone at, I don't know how to say this, you guys. It's the name of the college, the school that they go to. Everyone at Basgate. War College has an agenda because once you enter, there are only two ways out, graduate or die. Okay. I don't know how to pronounce a lot of stuff in this book, as is the case with a lot of fantasy books for me, but I gave this one a five star. Hands freaking down. Okay. I love books like Harry Potter, Divergent, Hunger Games. Like Those books are my childhood, and I am always on the hunt for books that give me like a similar feeling. This is the closest book that I have found that like gave me a similar feeling to those like iconic series in my life. They're not the same, like the storylines and stuff like that. It just gave me the same feeling where you get so invested in the world, so invested in the characters so quickly, and you just want more and more and more. Um, This one, I feel like because it took me like – When it got popular, I kind of put it off because I was like, ugh, dragons, like not interested. If that's your reaction, because yes, it does, like dragons are a big part of the book, give it a chance anyway, because I'm telling you, like the dragons are so freaking funny, first of all, because like they have personalities and like they communicate with their writers and stuff like that. Um, I know some people on Instagram are like being weird about a part of the book where – is this a spoiler? I don't think so. Where the dragons, like there are these two dragons and they're together. And anytime that they are together, if you know what I'm saying, like their writers can like sense that that's what's happening. And people are like, oh my God, ew, like that's so weird. It literally is like not even 1% of the book. Like it's such an easy thing to like look over. Like, yes, it's weird. And yes, it could have been left out, but like not reading it because of that to me is not worth it because the other parts of the book are so freaking good. I loved watching Violet, the main character, like her character development was just so incredible. Like she just, you know, she was kind of like quiet, meek, like library girly. And then she is trying to become a, you know, trying to go into the, um, the quadrant where I can't even remember all the terms, but she's trying to like be a dragon rider instead. Not because she wanted to at first, but because her mom was making her And it was just so cool to watch her go from like quiet little library girly to like a badass. She just like, oh, just watching her step into that. I was like, you go girl. Like she just became so like confident and she realized that like she was capable of so much and she just believed in herself. And it was really, really rad to kind of watch that unfold. Um, And yeah, I feel like it gave a little bit of Hunger Games vibes because there's kind of like a little love triangle situation. That's all I'll say. Um, But yeah, this one, it just sucked me in immediately. And again, this is another fantasy where there wasn't a lot of world building. It just jumped right into the story and you were like, whoa, okay, like we are going. Um, 
I hope you can hear like my, my excitement in my voice, like how much I love this freaking book. The next one is called Iron Flame, comes out in November, already pre-ordered it, and I will stop whatever I am doing when it comes in to read it because I am just that excited about it. Um, Also, side note, if anybody has a copy of Fourth Wing with the black edges, like the black pages, and you want to give it to me, let me know because I would love that because I cannot find it anywhere. I can find it on like eBay for like 300 bucks, but I'm not doing that. But anyway, that book, like that one I think is my number one so far from this year. Like I know I said these weren't in order, but I think that one I can safely say is number one. Now I will tell you, I will tell you, I am currently reading Akatar, A Court of Thorns and Roses, and uh, I was not loving it at first. It was very boring to me, very slow. Now I'm in like the last third of the book and it is picked up and I'm obsessed and I don't want to do anything but read. So maybe... If I do this for like my top 10 books of the whole year, one of the Akatar books will be in there because you guys have been begging me to read them. And because I tried reading the first one a couple years ago and it was just so slow, I was like, meh, I'm not that stoked on it. But now I'm invested. So I need to finish those before I give you my top 10 of the whole year, which, yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop talking because this episode is so, so long. I was going to tell you what's on my TBR for the rest of the year, but we'll be here forever. You know what I mean? So anyway, okay. I love you guys so much. This was so fun. Let me know on Instagram if you like this episode and if enough people vibed with it, I'll try to start incorporating like maybe one or two book episodes a quarter on the podcast. Um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people in the Hustle Sailing community are readers and we love books, fiction and nonfiction. Um, So yeah, let me know over on Instagram if this one was fun. And if it was, we'll make more happen. But I love you so much. Thanks for tuning in. I will talk to you next week when we will be back to our normal, like more educational, peaceful productivity style content. But until then, I hope you have the best day ever. I so appreciate you tuning in to today's show. I hope that it blessed you right where you're at. If you did enjoy it, take a screenshot of the episode and share it on your Instagram story along with your biggest takeaway. Make sure you tag me at Jess M. Massey so I can see it and share it on my story too. Your feedback is such an encouragement to me and it helps the show more than you will ever know. If you want more Hustle Sanely in your life, head on over to jessicamassey.com. It's actually my favorite place to hang out online. I'll meet you right back here next week. And until then, keep hustling sanely.